we asked some very small children what it means to worship a very big God. I like to worship God because He loves us. I know what worship means. Oh, what does it mean? I think it means helping other people that have has no water. Why do we worship God? Mm, so the rocks don't have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so amazing how He can change our hearts. There is another way you can worship. What is that? Like reading the Bible, dancing, singing, and giving money. God loves us no matter what. Oh, those are delightful comments. And uh, we're going to hear about how you can foster in your child uh, a heart for God and understanding of His love. And we're really going to kind of laser focus on very small kids. Our host for today's episode of Focus on the Family is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, those are great comments, and I love hearing those little voices. I mean, just their honest hearts and the way they want to please God. I mean, I wish we could bottle that and save it uh, right through adulthood. And that's probably the point here. We need to be more like children. I think Jesus said that. The fact is, uh, you know, many of us parents have um, kind of fallen down a bit when it comes to training our children in spiritual ways. Mm -hmm. And we want to help equip you to do that better today. If you're the mom and dad of little ones, one, two, three, four, five years old, this is for you. And if you're a grandparent, uh, you want to listen along with us because I think you will want a copy of our guest book and uh, to be able to apply some of these principles we're going to hear about today. Yeah, a lot of folks think spiritual training is dropping my child off at Sunday school um, yeah, that's or, true. Um, or something else. And, the, and that's the, good. It is, and we, we applaud those who work with kids. But uh, in the home, the parent has to be so intentional. There are so many influences. And we have a special guest with us who has a track record for... Uh, helping children understand the gospel, and uh, she has reached hundreds of thousands of toddlers and preschoolers with the good news of Christ. Jean Thomason is uh, with us. She's a musical performer, a worship leader, an author, and conference speaker, and for more than 20 years, she's been a special friend to young children, teaching them stories and silly songs along the way (laughs) about God's Word and His love as expressed in Jesus. And uh, Jean has a book that we're going to hear more about today later on called Sharing God's Big Love with Little Lives, A Can-Do Guide for Parents and Caregivers. Jean, welcome to Focus on the Family. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks so much. We're going to go through that unique way that God has uh, placed this on your heart, kind of a different approach to getting into youth ministry, I think. But um, (laughs) when you look at it, um, why do you believe it's so critical that we reach and share the gospel with small children. A lot of parents, we're busy. Mm-hmm. We're thinking, okay, about five years old, we're probably going to connect with them and they can now begin to understand the concepts of God. But you're working mostly with five and under. I am. Why is that Absolutely. so critical? That is such a great question. And I'm, I think the very, the, the first thing to tell you is that we, you cannot start too soon. You know, the Bible says John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit in the womb. And, yeah. um, and when, when Mary, pregnant with Jesus, walked into the area, um, my favorite place to dig into this is 
2 Timothy 3.15. This is where Paul is talking to Timothy, and he's reminding Timothy who he is. And he said, Timothy, don't forget this. From infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, and that gave you the wisdom which led to salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I looked up that word infancy um, in my Strong's Concordance, (laughs) and infancy actually means from birth until the time you're weaned. And so those are those very early, early times from infancy the scriptures had been poured into little Timothy, baby Timothy. And the Bible tells us that the Word of God is living, it's active, it's alive, it's always working. So when we pour into little lives, even before their minds, all the synapses in their brains are connected, we are giving them what they will ultimately need when I call it spiritual formation. That's laying the foundation so that salvation and then what we call sanctification, spiritual growth, is built on that foundation. So we have to get the Word of God into them early, early, early. early. There you go. That's the end of the program. Yes. (laughs) You have really hit the nail on the head. I mean, and I can see that enthusiasm. Now, we go from Timothy, very spiritual, Mm -hmm. to Jello. To Jello, <laughs> you talked that. about Jello in oh. your book. What's how does the analogy about Jello connect to spiritual things? I'll never forget a day. I lived in Mobile, Alabama, and I had two small children. They were only 14 months apart, and so all the mothers were going, ugh. Lots um, of jello. I did. I And often we went to the mall just to walk around. That was our field trip. <laughs> and I was the mom who was like, look over there. What color do you see? Look at that. What is that? So we were walking in the mall that day, and there was a big sign in the middle of the mall there, and this is what it said. A child's mind is like jello. It actually said gelatin because I think jello is trademarked. A child's <laughs> mind is like jello. The idea is put the good things in before it sets. Huh. And I thought, oh, that's brilliant. I'm going to grab that and hang on to it. Put the good things in before it sets. Fast forward to my doing research on the way our brains operate and how God makes us for synapses to begin to connect. The research and scientific research tells us that at age two, already more synapses have connected in the brain than the rest of our whole lives. That's how yeah. fast we grow. Mm-hmm. And already children are making moral decisions. They're boundaries. They're figuring out who they are and what they can get away with, as we most mothers and fathers know about our two-year-olds. But past that, by the time a child is six years old, their personality and character is almost completely and fully in place. So putting those good things in before they set means age six and under, scientifically speaking. You also mention in your wonderful book, uh, First Chronicles, and you attach this idea of being aware and being a good parent with the men of yes. Issachar. Yes. So help me. I always use uh, you know the men of Issachar in terms uh-huh. of understanding the times, times and all that. In a more of a social context, a political context. Right. How do you apply that to a parenting context? That's so great because here's what um, First Chronicles chapter twelve verse thirty two says: The men of Issachar were wise because they understood the times. They acted accordingly. They knew what the people of God should do. I actually, today, right here, I wore, I have a clock around my neck. That. You can hear it jangling in the mic. Um, and the reason I do is to remind me to be aware of the times. And 
you know so well because, and I'm I'm a recipient of and a, a student of the Ministry of Focus on the Family. Oh. You always help people be aware of what's going on in our culture, politically, socially, all those things. We as parents and grandparents, we we need to know, understand the times in our culture, and know what our children are facing, know what's going on, what kind of media are they watching, what are they listening to. We need to be so aware of the times. We need to know mm. how to act accordingly and how we have to give them the good news of the big love of God, because I know if we do not tell our children everything God is, someone else will tell them mm. everything he is not. Yeah. And that is what's so important in our culture. Well, that's so true. I think we've made a good case as to why parents need to be mindful about this Absolutely. and start engaging <laughs> quickly, yes. uh, you know, right with your early firstborn child, right? right. Year one, make sure you have a plan on how to help them learn how to praise the Lord, etc. Now, you didn't set out to be a children's uh, champion here in the spiritual context. You were headed toward bigger dreams. I mean, you wanted to <laughs> be on the big stage and yeah, be in the entertainment industry in some yes. way. Describe that desire and then how the Lord kind of moved you in a I different know. direction. That's funny. I'm a classically trained opera singer. And Are you really? I am. And, um, and I did musical theater for a lot of years. I grew up in church. I'm so grateful for that. And I went through um, choirs, and I had wonderful people who loved me as a child in children's ministry and amazing parents who took me to church. Thanks be to God for that. And um, um, then I got to college, and I was really gripped by the ministry of actually Campus Crusade in my life right. and mm-hmm. other things, and my focus changed. And this is what happened to me. I, I don't know if this has happened to you, but I had this particular s- verse of Scripture that God just seemed to plaster everywhere I went. People <laughs> would say, I feel led to tell you this verse for your <laughs> it's life. everywhere. And, and it leapt off the page, and this is where it is. Psalm chapter 40, verse 3, it says this, He, God, has put a new song in my mouth, and it is a song of praise up to God. And many will see and be amazed and trust the Lord. And I said, a new song of praise. Okay. All right, God, is this what you, if this is you, tell me what this means. And I went back to my personal roots at a very conservative Baptist church. And I thought, what is praise? And Fortunately for me, I'm a student of hymns and all kinds of songs, but I went to a conservative church where we sang the Hallelujah from the Mount of Olives by Beethoven and Mendelssohn and, you know, Handel. We sang all that sort of things. But I knew the doxology well, as you know. And that's straight out of Psalm 150, just all that praise. And I began to study what the Bible has to say about praise. And I discovered that it's all kind of fun and energy, that praising God is always, always a verb. It's always something we choose to do, Hmm. and it employs or it calls us to employ both, um, not just both, but many things singing, clapping, dancing, shouting, kneeling, bowing, all this. It's a diet that God gives us. Now, you're treading on some serious ground here, (laughs) being a Baptist. Oh, but you know what's fun about that is all the Baptist people that I know know the Word of God and love the Word of God. And And I'm not picking on them, obviously. But these are divisive issues, too. I'm not sure why. Uh, you know, we can't praise the Lord in, in all kinds of ways, really, and oh, we, respect that. Oh, we, yes, and we can. Well, you know what? I think, you know, the Word says our people perish for a lack of knowledge. Mm. And what I what happened to me was I began to study and dig into what does the Bible have to say about these things, and I discovered that our word praise is translated from more than 50 different words in Hebrew. Oh, wow, and, more than and 50? More than 50. And seven of them mean seven very distinctive things. Give halal, us some examples. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, halal, the very first word, from which we 
we get our word, you know, hallelujah. hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Halal means this. Ready? To be clear, to shine, to boast, to rave, to laud, to celebrate, to leap, to dance, to be full of joy. In fact, halal has the concept of praising God to the point we become clamorously foolish with reckless abandon. Oh that is hallelujah. And every time you see praise the Lord with an exclamation point all through the Psalms and other places, that is halal, which gives us permission to be excited about what God has done for us through the Lord Jesus. You know, Gene, uh, we have a series with Ray Vanderlaan, a teacher, biblical teacher uh, that the world may know. And here's the mm-hmm. connection, the reason I even mention it. When I went on the tour with him, Gene and I, we were able to do that. It was fantastic, number one. But he said, and I see it now, there is no wasted words in Scripture. And the Lord was so purposeful in everything that he said. And it makes you stop. I hadn't thought about it in this way, but with what you're saying about Jesus making the comment to the disciples, hey, don't keep those kids away Mm-mm. from me. Mm-mm. You know, this is the kingdom of God. The way children are behaving around me, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Because they were doing just this beautiful worship, wanting to be with Jesus, I think. Do you, do you connect with that? Oh, my goodness. Here's what I, one of the verses I love most in the work that I do in the ministry in my life is Psalm chapter 8, verse 2, which says, I'm sure you know, out of the mouths of babes and infants, God has ordained praise. Jesus quoted that to the disciples that very day. But listen to this from the Message Bible, which I love, especially using that with children. Psalm 8, 2 says this, nursing infants are gurgling choruses about you, (laughs) and toddlers shout the songs that will drown out enemy talk and silence atheistic babble. Toddlers shout the songs. When I bumped into that scripture, I was so arrested, and I said to the Lord, oh, God, I want to be the one who teaches the songs to the toddlers so that they can shout those songs that drown out enemy talk. There is power in the praise of little children because they're uninhibited and because they don't yet have so many cares of the world on them so that they are able with uninhibited, you know, what we said, just with abandon, give themselves to the worship of God. And when we say worship, that's the whole of life. Praise is very specific. I love Psalm 100, which many of us love learned in Vacation Bible School that says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Don't stop there. Keep going into his courts with praise. And that word praise, by the way, is tehillah in the Hebrew, which means to sing, to sing with the Spirit. There's great power in the singing of praises because God inhabits the praises of his people, and those praises are the sung praises. And children do not mind singing. They're not like us (laughs) grown-ups. We have a problem. I always tell moms and dads, I say, unzip your grown-up self. I know there's a child inside. (laughs) Just step on out and let that part of you get connected and be more uninhibited with your children because they want to give praise to God. It's already in them. Lamentations chapter 3 says, God has set eternity in the hearts of everyone. Already it is in them. I love that you never have to use apologetics with little children. You don't have to say, no, let us reason together. (laughs) But you just tell them, this is his name, God, the one who made you, the one who loves you. Jesus is his name. And they go, oh, him. Now I get it. Now I get it. I think the other thing, too, is that I think as we become adults, and I'm speaking to 15, 17, 18-year-olds, certainly, Uh that's where pride begins to show up. And Uh when we're prideful, when that human Achilles heel gets into our heart, we tend not 
to praise the Lord in the way we might as a child, as sure. a little child. And that's so typical. Hey, I want to turn a bit of a corner here because I, I, I'm thinking of the mom listening going, well, Jean sounds like this fantastic mother. <laughs> yeah. Like she does no wrong. And she gets up praising with her kids oh, and here is breakfast and here's your <laughs> egg. Okay, I can't sing like you. I'm not trained. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but um, the point is for that mom that doesn't feel like she's Jean. Uh-huh. Um, speak to her about those things, overcoming the, those type of feelings that I can't be yeah. that kind of mom. She can be. She can be. Um, I love the fact that God is such a good parent. You know, Barbara Johnson, who was a friend of this ministry, I was is a friend yes. of mine. I was involved with Women of Faith for many years, and so she was a dear friend. And she used to say this, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And um, I love to think about, oh, I know, I love to think about that and remind myself that God so loves you as a mom. I was that mother. When I first had children, I was older. I was almost 34 when my first child was born. And I remember the day I stood at the sink going, what were you thinking? You gave me a person. I wanted a baby, but you gave me a person and now i'm responsible for this person for the rest of their life you know just that's terrifying Terrifying. (laughs) pretty much exactly and so i remember that sense of the presence of the lord in my the the way god speaks to me i remember him saying to me and it brings tears to my eyes gene do you know how to be do you know how to follow jesus and i you know of course you say not very well (laughs) you know but is it me I remembered that the scripture said it is God who is in us, both to will and do his good pleasure. So it is God who is in you, sweet mommy of little children, to will and do and to be that parent that you think you cannot be. It is God who is in you, and he is able to do that through you. That's what the word of God says. So when we lean into the help that he has always given us, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So it is him who is living in us and through us to parent our children. So we, I know as a mother, I have to lean into that. Still, my children are in their 20s now. Um, that doesn't mean I'm still not a mother who is always looking for ways to help them and encourage them in their lives. But to well, that mother who says, I don't think I have what it takes. No, you don't. But God has everything. Well, there's the, the I don't think I have what it takes. And then there's the bad days. Oh. When it's being confirmed. <laughs> oh, amen. And I want an example from you, oh, maybe a couple good. where oh, you goodness. fell down and it wasn't all joyful. I mean, you're a very, you know, vibrant person and people are hearing that mm-hmm. through the microphone. But what about a day where it was kind of reinforced that you weren't the best of moms? Oh, my goodness. I have a great memory of a day in my um, in my kitchen. My son was in the high chair. My daughter was making a joyful noise, banging on the floor, <laughs> and um, and my husband was gone to work. I used to beg my husband, "Please don't leave me." That was smart of him. I know. <laughs> yeah, don't leave like, me. Don't go to work, me. or take like, the kids love with you. you. I would say to him, you stay home and I'll go do your job. And he would say, ha, fat chance. And he would leave. And um, and I was home with these children. And as an older mom, I would think to myself, Lord, I used to have a job and I used to be singing and traveling and do all this. And now I am home with these screaming children all day long. And this was one of those days where I thought, I, I have no idea what to do with these children. I'm going to ruin them. And my son, I remember him crying. And I remember my daughter sitting on the floor. And that was the day. I have this great memory of me leaning back and loudly yelling in the room, Lord Jesus! And I'm crying, help, I do not know what I'm doing! And both the children shut up. I have this memory. Both of them stopped, looked at me, big wide eyes like that. 
and I just cried. And I and then I took my son out of the high chair, put him on the floor, sat down with, and my daughter handed me the wooden spoon, you know. And I <laughs> because said because she thought it was coming. Huh? Oh, <laughs> that was what she was banging on the oh, pot okay. with. And so <laughs> yeah, she right, and the, and that was a day I remember sitting on the floor and banging the pots. And I remember now thinking that. Sheila Walsh said this one time, I'll never forget. She said, Jesus lives close to the floor. Mm. Sometimes we have those floor days. And I remember being on the floor just sitting Mm. with my kids going, okay, God, I can't do it, but I know that you can and you're able. So in all of that, somehow God takes you on this professional trajectory of being this trained opera singer (laughs) and the want to performer to be in front of people conveying excellence in a message of some sort. And then he puts you in front of one, two, three, four-year-olds. Talk about what God's done in terms of Miss Patty Cake. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're ready to go there. This is so much fun. Well, um, I love how uniquely creative the Lord is. And I love that he, you know, Paul said this, I've become all things to all men so that by all means some may come to faith. And I'm excited to be part of what God loves to do. And that is that he wants to find creative ways to share the good news that Jesus loves us all and just the good news of the gospel to everyone. So here's what happened to me. I found myself at home with these small children and we were living down in Mobile, Alabama, working for Integrity Music. My husband was working there. And um, they have lots of great singers and songwriters there. And some of the songwriters had come together and put to- a collection together. This I'm dating myself. Cassette tapes. Yeah, right. <laughs> Cassette tapes of these um, songs, and they were called lap songs for little ones. Uh, and one of the, and I had found them, of course. They had said, here's some songs. You know, I was singing these songs and playing them. We had The Donut Man and Salty the Singing mm-hmm. Songbook. And my now friend, Mary Rice Hopkins, who lives out in California, who's a great singer-songwriter, but trying to find songs that were age appropriate, which I think is so important for little children and for all of us. We have to start with the milk of the word before we move on to the meat. So finding these songs, and one of the songs was called Patty Cake Praise, which was an effort to take the nursery rhyme and marry it to the scripture. Psalm 47 verse 1 says, clap your hands, all you people, shout up to God with a voice of praise. That's the hallelujah word again. And so Patty Cake Praise was written by a couple of songwriters over at Integrity Music, and so one of those women, her name is Nancy Gordon, she came to me and she said, Jean, no one is ever going to hear these songs for children unless someone sings them. And I said, <laughs> I will sing them. And she said, I think that's a great idea. And she said, "What? so how do you think we should sing them? And I said, well, what if we come up with an idea for a character? Children love heroes. Children love something bigger than themselves. I grew up with Captain Kangaroo. Right. And, you know, all those things. And that also dates us. Yes, it does. That's you and I are in the same spot. Mr. Green Jeans. Mr. Green Jeans. <laughs> my, my little brother, his very first word was Batman. We were talking about that the other day. Some, there's something that's just little children want mm-hmm. to, they love costumes and right. theater. You know, they don't call it that yet. But we came up with the idea to have a character, and we called her... Miss Patty Cake, and she's a cross between Pippi Longstocking meets the romper room lady, if that makes sense (laughs) to anybody. And she's a brightly colored, costumed character, and on her dress is a heart and two hands. And this is the idea. We have hands to clap, a heart to love, a voice to sing, and every song gives thanks and praise up to God. And Miss Patty Cake always says, Mm. every day is a patty cake 
Praise Day. <laughs> now that comes from Psalm 118.24, which is one of my favorite verses for children because it says this, this is the day God has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So there's the I will part. And that's what Miss Patty Cake was born to do. And that, I mean, again, that's so funny what uh, man intends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God has different plans, oh, right? Oh, my goodness. But you're doing it with such great enthusiasm. And this wonderful book, Sharing God's Big Love with Little Lives, is a wonderful tool. Mm-hmm. And Gene, you've pulled it together. And again, I hope we've made the case that you can't start too early Cannot start with too your early. young kids right. to help them better understand how to worship the Lord, how to deploy your heart in that worship, how to use your voice, everything you just said. And folks, I'm telling you, I'm seeing the value of this so many years later with my own team boys. Uh, It is critically important. And Gene, you've done a great job here. Thank you. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller. When you listen to Jean Thomason, you can't help but have a smile on your face. She just exudes such joy and passion for the Lord. I was struck by that word Jean mentioned, halal, which means to praise exuberantly and challenged by it because I don't always praise the Lord like that. But as parents, we can instill a heart of praise in our children. So we need to be modeling that passionate praise for our Lord. Our recommended resource today is a book by a local author, Mandy Hart, titled Parenting with Courage. Mandy offers practical guidelines and tools and points readers towards spiritual avenues for parenting with God's help. You can find this very helpful resource online at safamily.co.za or give us a call on 031-716-3300. Just a reminder that our annual match campaign is happening in February, where you can support the Ministry of Focus by giving a financial gift that will be doubled. We thank God for some generous ministry friends who've agreed to match every rand you give in February up to 500,000 rand. You can make your donation through our website at safamily.co.za. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Alison Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.